Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast, we are back. Sorry for the hiatus. I guess I'm getting good at my other job, producing and directing, because uh, I'm working all the time and traveling. But uh, BJ, great to be back, my man. I just went through the uh, Southern California to New York City temperature change, including a red-eye flight. Uh, I, I, oh. feel like a man that, I feel like a man that's been beaten down a little bit. Well, you know, most will say it's it's the change of temperature, but you know what? It's the red eye. The red eye gets you, you know. Once you get over 40, Eric, you know, you gotta you can't do those red eyes. You gotta oh, you gotta, gotta come hang out with me now. You gotta sit in one place. You gotta have what we call a day of recover now. You can't just get on red eyes going across, you know, crisscrossing the country here. And uh you need a little time, my friend. A little, a little, know, little rest. You need a little rest now. I got a little bit. You know what's crazy is this this flight has become so easy for me in terms of whether I go to Newark or I go to Kennedy and the timing and just having my work, my rest. I know what I want to eat. I know what I got to do when I get off the plane as far as work goes to have my mind and body right. And the flight home was easy. It was actually a little less than five hours. And I, I landed at uh, just before 7 a.m. at Kennedy. And, uh, you know, checking the traffic, it would have been over an hour in the car. So there's different trains you can take back to the city that get you home in a set amount of time. So I was home in like 45 minutes. I thought I, I, thought I was like, all right, I slept a little bit. I'm feeling good. And then it just hits me. Just, just this wall, <laughs> this wall of exhaustion. And you're, you're, I was done. like a... You're like a 10 year vet now, you know, you, when you, you know, most of the, when you're early in your career, you just look at the say, Hey, you know what? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to play as a 10 year vet. You start counting the back to backs. Oh, so yeah. that's where you're at now. You, you, you know sure. what you, 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 you can't do that anymore. <laughs> you just can't Listen, do it. The, the fact that you classify me in that way is, is flattering. <laughs> it's flattering. So um, great to be back on. We've got a good one today. We're going to head out West first and talk some Denver Nuggets basketball. You ready? Yes, let's do it. As we've been doing in recent weeks, some special guests joining the podcast with BJ and I really love that. And uh, today we are talking Western Conference Denver Nuggets basketball with Kendra Andrews. She covers the Nuggets for The Athletic. Denver currently sitting third place in the Western Conference. Kendra, thanks for taking the time to join us. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. How's the season going for you? It's been pretty good. This is my first season on an NBA beat, so it's been – the Nuggets are making it interesting for me, let's say. <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. Lots of personas, <laughs> lots of talent. Uh, I've had the chance to sit down with Coach Mike Malone before. There's, uh, there's a lot there for you to work with. 
Absolutely. It's a good group of guys. So, you know, the headline of of this season so far has been the the up and down of Nikola Djokic. He's, you know, Mm -hmm. last seven games after a slow start, 23 points a game. Um, What's the difference in him? We've talked about whether or not he came into camp in shape, um, motivated. Mm -hmm. What's the difference in Djokic so far? I think... I, and, and I think he's kind of returned a little bit more to who he was last year in these past couple of weeks. And the word that we've kind of been using to describe that has been lighter. And that might be in terms of his appearance, his physical appearance, and also just the way he's been playing. And I feel like when he came into the season, he didn't have any joy. Like he lost his happiness for some reason. And now over these past couple of weeks, he just looks happier. He looks like he's actually having fun on the court. And I think that that's been translating to him playing better. Yeah. When you, he, uh, when you, sorry, I was going to say, VJ, before you jump in, he looked stressed. He looked yeah, really, he really, really did. stressed. Yeah, I mean, he – and, like, it, it was even off the court. In the locker room, he wasn't really smiley. He wasn't really, you know, cheerful. Now this past week, he, he, he called us pigeons in the locker room yesterday, like, waiting for – like, for us waiting to talk to him. He said, you guys all look like pigeons sitting on a wire just lined up waiting to talk to me. He's, like, cracking jokes. And, and yes, he definitely looks stressed. And, and there's a lot of – like you said, there's a lot of speculation of, okay, was it because he played – in Serbia over the summer, so he didn't really get to have his time off, do what he usually does. Was he out of shape? Was he, what exactly was going on? And that still remains a little bit of a mystery, but whatever has happened these past couple weeks, he looks physically lighter. He looks like he's lost weight, which I'm like, what weight losing program are you on that you can lose weight like that in a week? It's ridiculous. And he just looks bouncier and just better all around. Kendra, how how much do you attribute his being lighter? I use that, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I I like that term. How much do you attribute that to facing the expectations of a championship caliber team that Mm -hmm. I think the fan base has placed on them? You know, when you're playing and you are the underdog, you're having fun, you're sneaking up on people. All of a sudden now, they are the team that other teams are gearing up for. And you can see it by some of the losses they had. I mean, they've lost to Atlanta. They've lost to some teams that I think it's fair to say they expect to win. And now that same joy, you know, just using the term that you use, it, it, does you think, do you think that attributes to some of his, the way he's been performing thus far? Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it honestly goes beyond Nicole and it goes to this entire team. Like you said, some of the losses, they lost to Sacramento in Sacramento. They just the other day on Sunday, they were playing a really close game against the Knicks. That was single digit game late in the fourth quarter, which just shouldn't be happening. And I do agree that it is because there's such big expectations. Their offense has really been struggling so far this season. They haven't found that consistency. And I do think it is because part of it is they're forcing themselves. They're forcing shots. This is the first time in a really long time that people are actually expecting something of them. Last season, they could fly under the radar. It was just so much fun. It was a, oh my gosh, look what we're doing. We're doing so well. We're, you know, Denver basketball is finally back on the radar, back on the national radar. And to have such a young group of guys, I mean, last year was 
everyone except for Paul Millsap hadn't been to the playoffs until last season. And so you have a group of guys that they're all 20, 22, 24 years old to then say, oh, well, you made it to the playoffs once. Now you're national title contenders. And you have to go up against LeBron, AD, and the Lakers. You have to go up against Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks. You're on that level now. That's a lot of pressure to put on a young group of guys who until last season really didn't have any experience playing at that level. You know, Denver, when you look at their team and you look at their roster, clearly they were a, a group that was put together with a group mentality, right? They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're an elite defensive team. They're first in, in scoring defense. They're third in defensive rating. But when you look at the team and you mentioned games like the Knicks, and I was, I was watching that game, who is their go-to guy now down mm-hmm. the stretch? Defensively, we know they have a, a team that they can put a lot of bodies at you. Their, their second team may be just as good as their first team. But mm-hmm. who is the go-to guy now as we get into the playoffs, as we are putting this expectation? You know, you mentioned LeBron. You mentioned AD. We talk about Kawhi Leonard. Who is their mm-hmm. go-to guy now down the stretch? You know, that's a really good question because I think before you'd say Nikola Jokic, right? Like last season, I feel like that is their go-to guy. And this season, he has been a big – he has hit some big shots and some game winners for them late in games. Uh, but – they've also been putting a big stress on Jamal Murray and how he's there. He's their number two in a league of one, two pairs of, of two stars. They say Jamal Murray is our second star. And I think that they really want him to be um, their go-to guy. But I think like wanting someone to be their go-to guy is different than mm-hmm. actually being their go-to guy against Sacramento when they needed him to be that guy. He failed to get a shot off at the end of regulation, and he also didn't get a shot off at the end of overtime that could have won the game twice for the Nuggets. So I think, I honestly do think that that's still something that they're figuring out, and I think they want it to be Nikola Jokic. And I think these past couple games, this past week, he has gotten back to, you know, they they do feel comfortable putting the ball in his hands as as time expires. Um, But I think it's still something that they – they they're they'll, they're they're going to play with and they're going to be fluid with. Hey, Kendra, I have to I just have to ask this question here. Now we're in this era of small ball, and you know mm-hmm. we're playing with the three point shooting. If if Jokic is their first guy, do you see a center being that guy that can mm-hmm. actually lead them to the promised land? Because it's a it's a question that we have to ask because of the way yeah. the game is being played today. I think that the Nuggets, the way the Nuggets play wouldn't necessarily work for any other team. And like you said, it is a a guards league now. And so it is really rare to see a big, especially a center, be the the centerpiece for their offense. Yet, I think think it could work for them. They play so much better when Nikola Jokic is the center of their offense and everything revolves around him. And I think earlier on in the season, one of the reasons why – the Nuggets offense was struggling so much is because they weren't utilizing Nikola Jokic like they did last year. They weren't playing through him. They weren't letting him set up the plays. And I think when they're more active in getting him involved, they actually play better. So I don't know if that's necessarily going to work for every other team in the league, but I think it could work for the Nuggets. I mean, he's been the epitome of what it means to be a quote-unquote point center. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. BJ, and BJ and I talk about this, you know, every so often, you know, teams run their stuff, right? And, and you hit it on the head a few minutes ago with how much fun the Denver Nuggets had last year playing basketball together and running, whether they're running two-man game through Joker and shooters and slashers are all adjusting around them, whether mm-hmm. Murray gets hot and, and he's just, you know, killing it in the pick and roll situation. But to then shift your focus down the stretch to just having the ball in one guy's hands, especially mm-hmm. if it's not jokers, to me makes little sense. Because if you play through him at the high post or you play two-man ball with him and Murray down the stretch, then you're going to put the defense in a position where they're going to have to make choices, whether they're mm-hmm. going to really attack their two-man action and, and, and help and leave guys open because they have plenty of guys capable of making open shots Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap for starters. But I, I don't see the, the the reasoning for changing what they do down the stretch. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. me, but I don't see it. And we've seen Joker win games in the final 10 yeah. seconds before. I mean, some of those shots happen to be, have been crazy the last couple of years, but he finds a way to get it done. I mean, yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why they've kind of kept what they're doing. Because Nicole Jokic, he can shoot the ball. Like, just like you were saying, I think it was against – Minnesota earlier in the season that he hit a game winner there and then he hit another game winning three-pointer like the next night or it was the night before I can't exactly remember but he can shoot and you know it was interesting the other day at practice uh we were talking about his his offensive slump that he was going through his shooting slump and we asked coach Malone he said what's kind of the most like the weirdest defense that you've seen on Nikola Jokic and he said in a couple games, they didn't guard him at the perimeter. They were daring him to shoot because he hadn't sh- hit that shot recently. And so Nicole was kind of second-guessing himself. Should I shoot this? Can I make it? And, I, and he's proven over these past couple games that, yes, he can. And so now, yeah, guards really do have to, they have to guard him out at the perimeter. Okay, but then you can't leave Jamal Murray open, just as you were saying. So I think it really spaces the floor for them, and it, it gives them an advantage. So a couple of talents just transitioning to the depth and, uh, mm-hmm. and, the, and the future of this team. And, you know, we're speaking with Kendra Andrews, covers the Nuggets for The Athletic. Uh, so much hype around what Michael Porter Jr. could be. Obviously, mm-hmm. a, a genius move by them, taking him 14th in the draft two years ago and being very patient with his rehab and, and development. And then last year, this is one of, BJ and I have talked about this. This is one of the saddest nights of the NBA draft. We're seeing Bull Bull just sit there in the green mm-hmm. until the 40s. But now they've got them both to, de- to develop. Um, obviously, um, Porter's played limited minutes in 17 games. Bull is on a two-way deal with, uh, you know, the, the G League team. Uh, what's the plan for them going forward? And is Porter just a matter of time because of their wing depth? Yeah, I'll start with Porter, and I do think it's a matter of time. I think the Nuggets are in a really interesting situation right now, Coach Malone is, where you have a talent like Michael Porter Jr. who needs to play. Like, that's the best way you're going to develop this player, really any player, is to play. And they're in a unique position where, yes, they want to develop him, but at the same time, like we were talking about before, they have aspirations. They want to make it deep in the playoffs, if not to the title game. And so when you're trying to balance those things, it's, okay, we really need to get him out and run, but we can't have him making those mistakes 
that rookies make their first year that maybe if we didn't have such high aspirations, it's okay. It's okay to drop a few games here and there and let him play through their mistakes. And the Nuggets, I think, are kind of trying to balance that between letting him make his mistakes and learn, but still winning games. And I think that's when you're kind of seeing these lower minutes for MPJ. Um, I think that he, he, I mean, he's shown what he can do. He is a freak athlete. He's just a natural athlete. He's shown that. He shows what he could do on the offensive end. His defense, it definitely needs improvement. I think that's the one area of his game that is just, really obvious that it needs to improve and I think that's when Malone gets frustrated and pulls him he doesn't care if he misses a shot you know but he cares if he has breakdowns on defense that then lead to easy points for whoever they're playing um, but the good thing that Michael Porter has been doing is he's been what we've been calling it like an activity player he's been grabbing a ton of rebounds he's been all over the board he's been you know just doing the little things that they need him to do that will then eventually make him an overall player so I think it is a matter of time. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be this season that he has like his big breakout, but I think they'll continue to play him more and more. And I think that that's, I mean, that's what's going to make him learn. And I think that'll just, you know, be good for everyone. One quick follow-up is, has there been a, a veteran presence on that team Obviously, Millsap's the first guy that comes to mind, but, you know, it could mm-hmm. be one of the younger guys who's been in the league a few years. Is there anyone who's, you know, put their arm around him, taking him under his wing and uh, showing him what it means to be a professional uh, mm-hmm. in his, you know, obviously last year not active and what what is his first full NBA season? Yeah, I think I think a little bit of everyone has been vocal. I know that in the past couple of games, Will Barton and – MPJ have been on the court together a lot and you see Will Barton talking in his ear after whenever there's a stoppage in the game he'll go up to him and kind of say okay you know that was good but or this is what you need to do next um he is his locker is right next to Paul Millsaps and so I think that is a good thing to have that rookie vet combo next to each other in the locker room to be able to talk to each other um but I do think that everyone has been in everyone's ears. You talk about depth. I mean, and there's guys who aren't playing as much. And so I think everyone's just been talking to each other to try and figure out, okay, you're not playing very much. You're still trying to develop, but we're still a team. We need to, we just need to be in each other's ears and let each other know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, how we support each other. You know, you mentioned Will Barton, who's one mm-hmm. of my favorite players, because he 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 doesn't lack confidence. <laughs> he, no, he, just he always doesn't. He, <laughs> he doesn't lack confidence. That's, you know, he may be lacking other things, but confidence is not one of them. And, Never. <laughs> and for our listeners, uh, if you get a chance, you know, you you, you profiled him uh, earlier this week in The Athletic, you know, as you know, a great read there. You know, he lost his job, you know, the injury, his starting role with the team. Clearly, they need his play and what he brings to the game. What what do you think his impact will be and can be for this group as they move mm-hmm. forward? Because clearly, you know he is. I think he was. A, he's a he's a key piece to what they're trying to do up there. Completely. I mean, I've been calling him their most consistent player all season. Him and Paul Millsap, in my eyes, have been their most consistent players. I think that he can do a lot of things for this team. Recently, he's been. Malone has been talking about, okay, I can't take all of my starters out and just put all of my 
bench players in because the bench unit has been struggling a little bit. He says, I need to stagger the starters and the bench. And Will Barton has kind of been that stagger where he will play a little bit with the starting unit and then he'll get pulled and then he'll get put back on the bench. And when he's with that bench unit, you know, he knows that when he's with the starters, he's not the first option for scoring. He's not the second option. Maybe he's the third option, depending on what Gary Harris is doing. He's really doing those other small things. But when he's with the bench unit, he's more of a floor general. He's getting more touches. He's getting more shots. He's telling people where to be. I mentioned that him and MPJ have been playing a lot together. So it's just those things of him being pretty much a chameleon of what this team needs to get done. He's been doing it, whether it's offense, whether it's defense, whether it's rebounding, whatever it is, he just seems to be giving them that spark. You cover the team. How far do you think it's realistic <laughs> to think that this team can go based on how many games we've played? And yeah. second, who is the actual leader of this group? Is mm-hmm. it Coach Malone? Is it one of the players? Is it a group? But th- th- that's why in, in watching this team, obviously they're a good yeah. team. Right, right. I mean, I, def- I definitely think that they're, they're a good team. I was just talking about it last night. I think I, I think that, that, that title aspirations was kind of, um, I don't want to say an unfair expectation to put on them, but just kind of what I was saying before, these guys, none of them had been to the playoffs this past year until this past season. Their average age is, I think, like 24, 26 years old, something crazy young like that. Um, and just looking at the talent in the West, you know, yes, they're a top three team, but I don't even think that they've been playing their best basketball yet. I think that they have a lot of potential that's untapped. I think they, they will definitely make it to the playoffs. I think that they can make it to the Western semifinals and depending, you know, depending on matchups, depending on who's playing, depending on what happens with other teams, I think they can get to the Western conference finals, but I think that, you know, title aspirations is a, is a, hefty uh thing to put on this team is they're still trying I think they're still trying to figure out exactly like who they are and stuff so yeah and, and who's the who's the leader oh, and who's group? the leader yes you know I I think that Will Barton's definitely the vocal leader of this group I think he you know Jokic is a quiet dude he he is a I, you know, he, he loves, he just loves to play his video games. I think he would be happy to come in, play the game, go home, play his video games, go to bed, wake up, do it over again. Um, <laughs> I think he was wearing a t-shirt the other day that said, I stopped gaming to be here. He was wearing that in the locker room. Um, I definitely, I definitely think that he's a leader, but you know, in, in terms of vocalness, I think it's going to be guys like Will Barton. I think Jamal Murray has stepped up into that role a bit more this season. Um, and I think Jokic is kind of more of a leader by example where he's not going to talk too much, but he's going to go out and play and kind of show you what you should be doing. Love the Will Barton energy on all fronts. Yeah. <laughs> um, perfect, perfect example of a guy that needed to get into the right situation to yes. um, move his career forward. So speaking of that and, and player personnel, I mean, last season, and I'm still kind of shocked, uh, you know, game seven at home, mm-hmm. um, it was right there for them. Portland took the game. 
And this offseason, people were wondering, you know, will Denver make a, a move to try to, quote-unquote, push them over the top? Or was right. standing pat and developing their young talent a big move to be made? So, you know, now that December 15th has passed and free agent signees from the offseason last year can be traded, uh, is there a move that Denver should be looking at considering mm-hmm. uh, at this point? And obviously, in the last week, the name uh, Drew Holiday has been floated out there as somebody who could be on the move from the Pelicans. Yeah, I, I think I personally think that Denver sh- definitely should be looking out of trade right now. We've talked a little bit about their depth and how guys aren't playing. Uh, majority of the guys, Malik Beasley played for the first time last night in three games. I honestly thought it was more. It felt like longer, but he that was especially the first with time. especially with the role that he had last season for sure. Exactly. If I when someone said, oh, "Oh, it's only been three games," I'm like, "Are you sure it hasn't been? It feels like at least ten, or it just feels like forever." And this isn't the first time that he's gone through long spans of not playing by coach's decision. One of those games was because he had an illness, but everything else, he was available but just didn't play. And then you look at the small forward position and you see guys like Torrey Craig not playing, which after the role he played in the playoffs last season, you know, he did a lot for this team and he's not playing as much. Juancho Hernan Gomez had a huge summer winning FIBA um, with Spain and he's not playing as much because the team is just so deep. And last season, you know, they had a lot of injuries. So having this depth was really beneficial for them. But now that everyone's healthy, you know, Malone's been kind of, playing Tetris and puzzle piecing teams together. But at a certain point, you, you have to figure out what your rotation is. So with that being said, um, you know, Malik Beasley has been, you know, Shams reported um, a couple of weeks ago. I think it was just last week that, you know, Malik Beasley has been receiving offers. Um, he's going to be a restricted free agent this summer. Um, so I think that he, he, is a possibility as, as well as Tori and Wancho. You mentioned Drew Holiday. That was a big topic of conversation for us amongst like the Denver media this, these past couple of days talking about what package could you put together um, for Drew Holiday. And we were kind of saying, okay, you could put together a Beasley, Mason Plumley, Gary Harris package, but then that does involve you getting rid of one of your starters. And, and Harris has been a, you know, he's one of those, key foundation players for this team so I think that there are definitely options um and I think I think they do need to do something to kind of consolidate their talent because a lot of guys are getting uh you know the short end of the stick and aren't seeing a ton of playing time and they just have a lot of guys on the bench yeah guys need to play and you know they're arguably you know 11 12 deep and yeah I don't think they can afford to lose Plumley. I mean, he's been just tremendous as far as front court depth and being able to play either position if they have to go big. Mm-hmm. Harris, Beasley, a pick is where, you know, my mm-hmm. mind went to as a starting point in a package for, for Holiday. But as listen, Gary Harris has been a, a consistent contributor to this team. I don't think he's... Uh, elevated his game in terms of consistency in the way that they'd hope, but he's a very good two-way guard. But just imagine that backcourt with Holiday Mm -hmm. and Murray, and then as Porter continues to develop, all of a sudden there's minutes for him there. So Mm -hmm. uh, this could be a very uh, 
it could be a very interesting thing to consider for both teams, you know, if Denver is, is looking to make that, that upgrade. BJ, any thoughts from you on if you're Denver right now, as we have Kendra here, are you looking to, are you looking to deal and consolidate, excuse me, some of this depth, or are you standing pat with what you got? Well, I, I think with this group, you have to stand pat, right? This is a, a team now that, and, you know, can you correct me if you think otherwise? I mean, they exceeded all expectations uh, just a year ago. And then suddenly now we're going to thrust them into this conversation without them having the opportunity to make a run for a three to five year window. And that's basically what we're looking at now. If you're telling me that Drew Holiday or whatever player pushes them over the top, you know, I'm not so sure if that is the the answer when you're looking when you're, when you're looking at, you know, trying to pursue a championship, right? In order to get to that, you know, caliber, you you need a little luck, clearly, but you need an exceptional player that can carry the load when we're talking about game you know in the, in the conference finals and the finals i mean some of these players are just special players the Giannis is in the east you're talking to lebron and ad you're talking Kawhi leonard and i'm not sure tampering with your core group is the right answer unless that core player is a star player and when i mean a star player it's you know you have an opportunity to get what we consider a top five player you got to do what you have to do Otherwise, I think you stand pat and you let this you let this core group play itself out. It's going to be an interesting call for the Nuggets. Kendra, thank you so much for joining us. That's Kendra Andrews. She covers the Nuggets for the Athletic, and we uh, we hope to have you uh, back again in 2020 as Denver <laughs> looks to uh, have a deep run in the Western Conference this season. So, BJ, great to get a perspective from Kendra. Kendra Andrews from The Athletic covering the Nuggets. And, you know, the Nuggets, to me, this is a really interesting situation. When you talk about the roster, you talk about where they stand in the West, and you talk about their choice over the summer to stand pat as around them. You know, Utah added Conley and Bogdanovich. The Rockets, of course, make the blockbuster deal to bring in Russell Westbrook. The Clippers rattle the earth with Kawhi and Paul George. And the Lakers, of course, bring in Anthony Davis with LeBron. So we've had Denver in this group of teams they're there in the standings at number three but a lot of people just don't seem to be taking them seriously as a contender because of the four teams i just mentioned i think that's fair i think that's you know, a fair assessment eric and i and i tend to agree when you look at their roster and you look at their team and the way they built they've clearly you know, have gone through the draft with their star players, you know, Jokic and Jamal Murray. And now that those guys are are, are signed to extensions, you know, how are you going to continue to build a team for the long haul and, and really try to meet the expectations of, you know, what these guys, when I say these guys, those two players in particular, what they're making. Now they are treated like stars. They're paid like stars. And can you build a team around them under the salary cap and all of the things that you have to deal with? And that is the question that we don't know. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting. But at the same time, I didn't get the feeling that they're that they feel that they are ready to compete at that level yet. That was just the feeling of the conversation. But clearly, 
what based on what they achieved last year, they have to believe that they can get take that next step as a franchise. And and we have to see if this is the group that can get it done or not. For sure. For sure. I'm if I'm Denver, I'm looking at what's out there as far as a trade goes to upgrade. But that's just me. I'm not giving the future, but they have depth and talent to to deal from strength. So at least I'm looking and that starts obviously with the Drew Holiday conversation. But, you know, both L.A. teams, Denver's not in that. Uh, I think we can agree Denver's not in that class right now. And, uh, you know, some really interesting comments this past week. We, we've rekindled some old fire with, with Kevin Garnett doing press for Uncut Gems, bringing up LeBron uh, and the Heat, Doc Rivers and LeBron going back and forth about uh, load management. And obviously, you know, Doc has a great respect for LeBron and vice versa. But there, there's a – there's still a lot of uh, there's still a lot of scars and wounds and memories there from those battles back in the Eastern Conference. So, um, you know, LeBron on load management. Why wouldn't I play if I'm healthy? It doesn't make any sense to me. My obligation is to play for my teammates. If I'm healthy, then I'm going to play. If coach sits me out, then I'm not healthy. It's just that simple. And then obviously, Doc has a different philosophy, and he's guided teams to the mountaintop. Uh, with this in the past, you know, from Doc, it's our philosophy. I don't know what theirs are. I think theirs is whatever LeBron says it is, to be honest. <laughs> you know, we get to see these guys on Christmas Day, the next chapter for the battle for L.A. But, you know, what do you make of both the load management convo here? And also, we know there's a lot from both of those guys when, when dealing with each other and, and the past battles on the court. Well, I think you you said it right there. They have a mutual respect for one another in their Eastern Conference battles. And clearly, you know, Doc Rivers and LeBron, what they've been able to achieve, you know, one as a coach and one as a player, you know, speaks for itself. Now, I think what going back to the comments before, this is a little gamesmanship that we have going into the game. Clearly, they are in the same town now, Los Angeles. For the first time that I can recall where the Clippers feel they are legitimate contenders to win the championship this year. And there are a lot of people around the country and NBA fans who feel the same way, that this team is for real. This team is knocking on the door. Now, obviously, they have to go out and do it. But. Traditionally, we haven't had that type of talk around here, especially in Los Angeles. It's always been the uh, Lakers town. And now, you know, when you walk around town, you know, you, you, you see some Clipper fans and you see them walking with their chest out now. And the Clippers and Doc Rivers, they aren't asking for permission. That's the one thing I will give Doc Rivers and the Clippers. They're not asking for permission from the Lakers to be good. They're, they're coming here to take it. and. The Lakers, I think, after the first game of the season, realize that they're in a dogfight now. And the Clippers are coming. They're hungry. They have star players. They have a defensive-oriented team. And they have a coach that's ready to grind. You know, Street you, fight. It's a street fight. A, it's a street fight. And I think the Lakers, you know, I dare to say, I think the Lakers now – Yes, they are a good team. Yes, they have talent. Yes, they have, you know, all of the things that you try to build to, to you know, to to compete. 
But the the one question that I do have is, can this team grind? Can this team contend with the toughness that you know a Doc Rivers team is going to is going to bring? You know, when you talk about that team there in Boston with Kevin Garnett and with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and Rondo and and, and Big Baby, they 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 came to fight every single night, and you know that's what Doc is doing with this team, and you can see the way they they have they're constructed that they are ready to grind and the Lakers, I think they have the Lakers attention. And I think that's what it's all about. I think it's really built on respect, which is good for the NBA. For sure. And you, you, you took the thought right out of my mouth. This is how the Clippers constructed their team to grind out games, to build a defensive identity and to have depth because we know, listen, Kawhi Leonard last year, whether he needed to miss 22 games or not, didn't play in 22 games. Raptors were constructed in such a way where they had the ability and the confidence and the belief to go 17-5, and five, and then Kawhi put them, and the entire country of Canada, for that matter, on his back and took them to the promised land and was not 100% healthy. So how else is Kawhi Leonard going to be in position to be able to do the same thing this spring if he's not feeling good. So if Kawhi Leonard is injured or Kawhi Leonard needs to sit certain games, like the litmus test is there. And for Doc Rivers, the 2010 Celtics were beat up. They were bored the second half of the season and Doc pressed all the right buttons and had those guys ready to go. And they were six minutes from a title in game seven with, with a, a with a team that w- was running on uh, fumes and pride at that point and uh, obviously didn't win that one as Kobe and the Lakers won the 2010 title, but Doc's been there, and he knows what it takes. So um, I can't wait for the Christmas Day matchups, and obviously we'll be looking ahead at those uh, at the top of Christmas week. And Another team in the West that, deservingly so, has gotten a lot of shine and, and compliments, and it's because mainly of their uh, young star, Luka Doncic, but the Dallas Mavericks – at the top of the week without Luca, who's going to be out. I think it'll be two weeks with a, a, a sprained ankle, but nothing serious. They snapped Milwaukee's 18 game winning streak without him. Porzingis had a huge game Wednesday night. Uh, they played a tough one against the Celtics. The Celtics beat him in Dallas. Marcus Martin, Gordon Hayward didn't play uh, Celtics, obviously leaning heavily on Tatum Brown and Kemba right now with those guys out of the lineup. But, Dallas is more than a one-man show. Uh, is it time to recognize that this is a very, very good team? Or is this just because Luka has just been unbelievable this season? Combination of both. What do you think? Well, the, 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 the short answer is no. It's not time to recognize them as a really good team yet because they haven't I'm proving that yet. They haven't had time to do that. Um, you know, anytime you miss your star player or you lose your star player, the scouting report changes on how you're going to play and defend that team. There's a natural letdown every time a, a team loses their star player. And anytime there's a change, if you ever watch guys when teams get traded, during the during the season it changes your team so 
you're preparing for a team with Luka Doncic and you know that team, you've had a chance to watch them for 20, 25 games and you're preparing for that team. And suddenly when that player is no longer there, how do you prepare for that team? Because you don't know how they're going to play. You don't know now who's going to step up and, and, and move into those key situations during the game. So it's basically a free game for you as a player on, you know, on the Dallas Mavericks right now, because now everyone's role has changed significantly because Luka Doncic is the primary ball handler. And now the roles have changed. Now, if they're, if they can continue to do this for 20 or 25 games, and let's hope not, because we want Luka to be back on the court, then I would say, yes, now this is, this team clearly has an ability to play with or without him. But right now, no, I'm not saying that because teams haven't figured out how to defend this, defend this team. I don't know the schemes of how they're using Porzingis and the other players on their team. But let's not discredit the other guys. And that's the one thing that, you know, I want to say as a former player, these other guys are really good players. They're, they've bought into the system of Rick Carlisle and his staff, and they're contributing and doing what's going to allow them to play the best basketball. But these guys are professionals, and they're very capable players, and that's what you're seeing. I know Luca gets all the credit, but, you know, give these other guys respect. They're there in the NBA for a reason, and uh, they're proving it right now when they have an opportunity to step up and play in different roles. So watching the Wednesday night Celtics game closely, you know, getting the ball to Porzingis both as a trailer in transition so he can step into rhythm threes, two-man game pick and pop, and then getting him the ball, um, you know, I think it's safe to say getting him the ball on the pinch post. He's about four feet outside the lane, BJ. That, that's where they're looking to feed him and get him going in the half court. But this team can continue to bring it, whoever, whoever they're playing against. If they defend the way they have been in terms of intensity and focus, and listen – they're not going to be a dominant defensive team, but they have wing pieces that are switchable. Uh, they've got some active bigs in Dwight Powell and Max Kleber. Obviously, Porzingis can block shots. Um, you know, they're they're leaning on Tim Hardaway more. Jalen Brunson takes the ball at the point. So th this is a team that, and we've talked about it before, a reflection of Rick Carlisle. They're going to bring it every night. But will teams let their guard down against them remains to be seen. Here's one thing that's interesting, and I'm glad you answered the question that I asked about what type of team are they uh, right now. They're 8-7 and seven at home. They're 10-2 and two on the road. That's very, very uh, uncommon mm -hmm. for a young team trying to – finding an identity who's off to a good start, normally those numbers would be flipped home and away, wouldn't they? Yeah, when you're when you're trying to make that transition to be a good team in this league, the first thing you want to do is be able to defend your home court. And if you can defend home court and then play above 500 basketball on the road, you know, that's the recipe. I mean, they just have it in reverse. Um but that says a lot for the for those young guys to be able to get the focus um, that they have on the road and and play that way because normally that is the hardest part, especially for young players, is to be able to play away in a in a hostile environment. But 
you know, you win games, however you can win them. And uh, you don't take you don't take a win for granted. Wins are very hard to come by. But that's a good sign for them that they're able to play the way they're playing on the road. And if, if that can translate to at home, um, I think that would be that would speak volumes for what they're doing and, and, and how quickly they are becoming an elite team in this league. So, BJ, focus of our show today was Denver and Dallas. Dallas is at Philly Friday, at Toronto Sunday. Denver's got Minnesota at home Friday. They're at the Lakers on Sunday. So, for some some nice tests for both of those teams, should be an exciting weekend of NBA basketball ahead. I, I know you're in a stance over there, buddy. I know you're fired. <laughs> what a defensive stance! You know that's. Always, I don't know if, if I always. if I got in that stance right now. I don't know if I can get out of it. You know <laughs> the knees aren't what they used to be. So, hey, hey, I, I, thought you were yeah, ta- yeah. I thought you were taking care of yourself with the travel and the back to back. You got to you got to be very you got to be very careful. You know uh, you got to be very careful now. You got to pick and choose. Pick and choose. <laughs> Love it. Love it. We will be back at the top of the week, taking a look ahead at all the Christmas games and all else happening in the world of NBA basketball. Special thanks, as always, to producer Mike Lieber, Bruce Bernstein, editor Benjamin Wolfen, and the entire Pure Hoops media team. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each and every Monday as Mike has stellar guests Catch and Shoot 2.0 is back with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong dropping Wednesdays. Bucket Sports and Blocks with the one and only Monica McNutt on Thursdays. Also be sure to check out our new podcast in the grass lane of basketball called the Made Hoops Podcast. And of course, BJ and I will be back with the Pure Hoops Podcast next week, getting you ready for all the great Christmas Day matchups. Have a great weekend, everybody. Be safe. Stay warm, stay pure. Thanks. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro. Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.